Hey guys, you are listening to the Unexpected Life Podcast, hosted by myself, Krista Tracy, and I'm glad that you are here for the ride because life is a crazy journey with lots of curveballs, and I hope to help you navigate those curveballs and bring you some joy in the midst of the unexpected. So, here we are. And we're on episode two already. Today's episode is going to be about birth and trauma that sometimes comes with it. So if birth trauma is a trigger for you, I am pre-warning that this might not be an episode you are ready for mentally or emotionally, or maybe your heart just needs a little while to revisit it. And I'm just giving you that pre-warning because I know that six months ago, I probably wouldn't have listened to a podcast about this because it would have been too much for me. Or if you're pregnant and this makes you anxious, um, no hard feelings, you do not have to listen to this episode. But I am going to speak on kind of my birth experience because I just got off my Instagram stories and I was talking about birth trauma. And so many of you guys said, Krista, get off Instagram, go write it down. Or go talk to the wall about it even. Like just get it out. And I think for my own personal journey, I've had a therapist guide me through. And actually, I've had my therapist since I was pregnant. So what a lot of you guys might not know is that when I was pregnant, I had a lot of emotional turmoil just from not having my mom around The baby shower triggered a lot of things in regards to, wow, this is crazy. I'm entering motherhood without my own mom. And I felt resentment. I felt anger. I felt sadness. I felt so many emotions seeing other people have baby showers with their moms and falling into the comparison trap like... I sometimes do, and I always say comparison is the thief of joy because it truly is. I need to like stop myself and check myself and remind myself that I can't compare to other people's situations. But when I was pregnant, I had my baby shower. All felt fine up until my baby shower in terms of like my mom being gone and navigating this without her. And then as soon as that baby shower ended, it was like the floodgates broke loose. Everything. I had felt in 2016 when I lost her, I don't know if it was because I was hormonal and pregnant or just having gone through a baby shower without her, but every single thing came back. Every single emotion you could ever imagine came back, and I was scared, and I was so scared. I got to the point of telling my husband, like, I can't come to you with this stuff. This stuff is so deep, and it's so many things I hadn't worked through that I need to go speak to it. I need to go speak to a professional. And I had been through the ringer of therapists prior when she passed away. I think I've been through four prior to this. And most of them don't work. I mean, my personality is pretty bold sometimes. And it takes a strong therapist to deal with me. Because I am. I feel like I'm so emotionally aware and aware of my own needs that I either intimidate therapists or 
I challenge them too much perhaps or I feel like they're not giving me enough to be challenged with because I'm already doing the homework on my own time, if that makes sense. So I was like, I need to go speak to somebody. So I went in when I was pregnant and I found a therapist and we clicked right off the bat. Um, it was just a really good match. And so I had my therapist and it all everything happens for a reason, you guys. Had I not had that therapist or found that therapist during my pregnancy, I would have been a lost soul trying to figure out the right therapist after birth because I definitely needed one after birth. But I already had my therapist before birth, and I had weekly meetings with her to talk through some resentment I had, some emotions, some some chapters I've never delved into in regards to my mom's um, medical state before she passed, um, the coma she was in, the things I didn't get to say to her, my last moments over the phone, and my missed phone calls, and everything. Everything I never spoke of, I spoke of during my pregnancy to my therapist. And she helped me through all that. And so it's just amazing when I look back at that therapist being placed in my life at the time she was placed in my life. It was just like it happened for a reason. And then there I was. I needed someone after birth. And so what I'm saying is I guess I kind of got on a tangent. But I've I've spoken all of this to my therapist. And a lot of it I haven't. A lot of it was locked in my own vault that I couldn't even speak of to my therapist. So when I'm telling you guys these things, just know it's taken me 13 months to fully chip away at inside, chip out of my vault, get me to even think about and get me to even speak about. It's like a process of like getting it out, thinking about it and speaking it out. So some of these things might be fresh for me to even say for the first time. But here we are. I'm going to talk about it. And the next thing I wanted to say before I get into that is I know there are a lot of people out there that don't share their kids online and don't tell their birth stories online and don't share things that involve their kids publicly. And I respect that. And I am mindful, like I've said in the past, of what I put out there, knowing that this is possibly on the internet forever. And it's a part of Henrik's story, and it's a part of my story. And one day he might Google and find this episode. And so I'm very mindful of how I speak on our journey together and how I speak on my birth experience and motherhood. I will just say that motherhood is you know, a story for us all to tell. And I hope Henrik one day respects that I told my story of motherhood and is okay with that. I can't say that for sure. But I just wanted to say that I'm mindful of what I do put out into the universe that involves him. And the reason why I am so open about his birth and talking about it is because 50% of that trauma that happened at his birth came from how certain things were handled related to his diagnosis. And so talking about that, I hope, can educate at least one person on here listening to this right now 
who is a doctor or a labor and delivery nurse or someone who can have an impact hearing my story and using it towards the next birth where there's an unexpected diagnosis. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. And I know off my Instagram, I've already impacted three labor and delivery nurses who have reached out to me personally saying our our story helped them be a better nurse or be a better um, OBGYN or whatever it was, you know, to individuals going through something similar like we did. So with all that said, I'm just going to dive into it. So without getting into the pregnancy because that was a whole a whole other topic that one day maybe I'll bring someone else on here and we can discuss high-risk pregnancies or just pregnancies that don't go as planned. Um, that's for another day. So we're just going to talk about the birth and I'm just going to speak it out as I need to speak it out and hope that part of this is healing for me and I hope that part of this is also healing for you. So here it goes. So <laughs> I laugh because I think back on his induction date and I think back on all the docu-series videos I took of myself <laughs> with my phone eating toast in the morning and I had such high blood pressure that my lips were so swollen and my eyes were so swollen <laughs> that I just remembered me like talking into the camera on my phone and just thinking like, oh my gosh, I look like an actual duck. Um, but so I was induced and that was partly because of gestational diabetes and signs of preeclampsia. He didn't come early. He came at 39 weeks. Um, there was talk that they were going to induce me at 36 weeks, I believe, if not sooner, I can't remember, maybe it was 34 weeks, but I had blood pressure concerns that kind of leveled out eventually. And then my gestational diabetes was a hot mess. Um, and that's a whole other topic. I feel like there's so many avenues and episodes we need to have on all of these topics, but I went in at 7.30 in the morning, and Trevor drove, and he was calm, and I was so nervous because I had never had, like, a surgery or any big procedure done before, and we went into the hospital. It felt like we were checking into a hotel, and we got comfortable, and the nurse that came in to give me my IV we had been to the ER so many times in the last like 12 months before I was induced that the ER nurse knew us by first name because my husband blew his shoulder out a bunch of times while I was pregnant. And he remembered us from all the ER visits and he was the one putting my IV in. So that's how the day started. And I think they got the IV in at around 930 that morning. So Trevor ate tacos in front of me. I wanted to murder him. Just kidding. Um, I was like, why are you eating in front of me? This is crazy. You should not be eating in front of me because you can't eat when you're in the process of it all. 
And then I wanted to try the tub because my room had a tub and I thought it would be glorious, but then it ended up being not so glorious because you have so many things attached to you and you have to wear these plastic sleeves in the water so your IVs and things don't get wet. And then I just remember being like, oh my gosh, how is this so uncomfortable? I basically live in the bathtub and this is not a bathtub. This is like a torture chamber. So Trevor got me out of there. And then I wanted a popsicle. I was like all over the place, you guys. I was trying to walk around, trying to get things moving. And then all of a sudden, people kind of started to seem panicky in terms of how fast I was progressing. And I kind of remember them thinking or saying, I th- they weren't thinking. They were saying like, we should reduce the pedosin, which I think is fairly common. Like they don't know how your body is going to respond to an induction. Normally it takes a really long time. They kept saying to me like, you're not going to have him today. He's going to come tomorrow. It's your first child. And so I believed them thinking like, wow, this is going to take forever. And nope, Henrik had other decisions and he had his own mind made up. He was coming fast. So I think around like, oh gosh, things started, I started dilating finally around 2 p.m. And then by like 5 p.m., things started getting a little crazier and he was, he arrived around 11 p.m. So typically inductions on your first baby don't go that fast. I know it doesn't sound that fast, but they hadn't actually put the IV in me until like around 10 a.m. So we're talking 13-ish hours total. So it's technically considered a fastish labor induction. And I wasn't even in like actual contractions in labor until 5 p.m. So we're talking I was only actually contracting and feeling pain. It wasn't that long, like six hours. I'm probably doing the math wrong, but you know what I'm saying? Like it just went faster than I mentally prepared for. And then I also wanted an epidural in the midst of it all because you just don't know how painful it's going to be when it's your first. And we knew his head was 99th percentile. So I I had no idea what that meant or I don't I don't even know if I'm speaking on this correctly but essentially when I started to feel the contractions and just started imagining this large baby coming out of me I just I didn't have a plan other than to get an epidural because the induction was just going so fast and I was shaking. I mean, when you're induced, I know you shake regardless of being induced, but when you respond to Pitocin that that fast and abruptly, your body like convulses. And I just remember like I couldn't even hold a cup of water without it spilling everywhere because I was shaking so bad. And so, yeah, I just wanted an epidural to kind of calm my body down at that point so I could even see straight. And yeah. That's kind of how the birth went, and I would say the birth was the most beautiful part of it all. It wasn't until, um, like, that night after he was born where things started getting a little, I don't want to say sketchy, but just not how I envisioned it to go, and it wasn't even related to 
the unexpected diagnosis of Down syndrome at all. It was just related to how the hospital staff handled things and spoke of him. And, like, I felt like we were kind of just on an island and other people on the same floor of the postpartum wing were getting treated, I don't want to say better, but just, like, they were with them more than us, and we just kind of felt alone. And anyways, there's a lot I'm still not willing to talk about. Um, now that I'm even like speaking it out loud, I feel like I've, I'm still vaulting things up and I don't know if I'll ever be ready to speak of everything that happened publicly, but it is definitely healing speaking of all of this and more or less, I just want to go in a time machine and go back to that day after he was born and just tell myself that everything was going to be okay because when you give birth to a beautiful baby and especially when it's your first and you have no idea what to expect, just knowing that thing there are concerns and that things are raising doctors' ears and that there are red flags present that you don't have answers to, it's like a whole other level of processing what's going on around you. Everything feels like it's in slow motion. And I just remember staring up the ceiling lights and being like, this is all I understand right now is light. Like I couldn't even eat. I couldn't go to the bathroom. I couldn't think straight. I couldn't look at my phone. It was just this whirlwind around me of what felt like chaos. And all I could do was stare blankly at the lights, just like wondering what my brain was even thinking. Like, it sounds so crazy, but I just felt so numb. And I felt so numb and unprepared in what I was currently seeing, processing, and feeling all within my room. And perhaps my birth didn't go as high as I had envisioned. My birth, to, you know, in my own opinion, to myself, my birth, it wasn't terrible. And quite honestly, it was my favorite part of the entire experience at the hospital. Um, I actually didn't mind birth. It was those two postpartum days at the hospital, well, not even two, a day and a half at the hospital, the postpartum days, the days following birth. I never mentally prepared for while pregnant, and I also never went in with a plan. I was kind of the type that, like, while pregnant, I didn't have a birth plan because it stressed me out having all the options and knowing you know, that I could have my mind set on one thing and it could end up being something else. I kind of was like a, I want to be a go with the flow type birth plan. And that's all I prepped for. I didn't understand while pregnant that I should have or should have had something thought up in regards to the the hours and the days immediately after birth where you're making decisions on breastfeeding and you're having to advocate for your own health and advocate for your child's health 
I never prepped for that. I didn't know that was even a possible hurdle or obstacle. Had I prepped for that mentally or had I been warned that things could go unexpected more so the day after, I think I would have been way more prepared and in a better headspace to handle things. And I don't think I would have as much emotional turmoil over those hours in the postpartum wing. But I was always under this impression that the unexpected happened while pregnant or birth. And then once you gave birth, you were just sent with flowers and ribbons and cards and stuffed animals to the postpartum wing and all was happy and hunky-dory and you got to breastfeed and have visitors and stare at your husband who was smiling back at you. And I got through the birth, sort of how I envisioned, and then boom, postpartum wing, nothing how I envisioned. None of those, the postpartum part of it is where those first moments with your baby and your husband and your bonding time happen. I mean, birth is beautiful and you get to hold your child for the first time, but the postpartum wing is where you think of those like memories and images and photos. That's, that's at least in my head. I had this vision of how it was going to go <laughs> after birth. And I guess I just never mentally prepared for things going, quote unquote, awry after birth. Like you think once you're through birth, you've gotten to the finish line of all the scary stuff. And I had scary stuff throughout my pregnancy. So when he was born, I was like, I got to the finish line and everything's okay. Like, he is here. They don't have concerns. He is healthy. And then you're just kind of blindsided if if there are things that come up the next day. And so when my things came up the next day and things didn't go as I envisioned, that's kind of where all of my trauma comes from. It's it's what I was robbed of. It's the stolen joy. It's the crying in the chair because we were so scared and didn't know what was going on. It's it's hard. Obviously I was happy. I was ecstatic. I had a child and we love him so much and he's the best thing to happen to us by far, hands down. But it's not to say, and I will always be open about this with Henrik, that it's not to say those first hours where we found out there were, there were concerns. It's not to say that we weren't terrified or scared or sad because of how people were talking about the diagnosis around us. I mean, those are hard things to even hear at all and to hear it right after the birth of your child when there's so many emotions and hormones going on. It's just a lot. So I'm not going to get into specific details of things. I don't think I'll ever be ready or I kind of feel like pieces of my story need to just get kept to myself um, and my and my husband. Like we need those pieces to ourselves because I am so public and I hope you weren't coming on here thinking I was going to like spill all the deets because 
none of my intentions are to speak badly of any hospital staff, any hospital in general. I truly don't blame anyone. I've forgiven so much out of our whole birth experience. There was a lot that was said and done that shouldn't have been, but I've truly moved past that. And now it's just kind of working through those triggers and traumas and why do other people's happy birth pictures trigger me still? And why do I kind of avoid pregnant people who are about to give birth? (laughs) Or why do I just kind of assume everyone's going to have this perfect, beautiful photograph? (laughs) Like, it's not even about the photographs, but you know what I mean? Like, these picture-perfect births where everyone looks happy and Why do I just envision that always happening for everyone when I know the reality is a lot of births have trauma like mine? And I just need to understand and remind myself that I'm not alone in this, but it just feels so alone. If I said I felt alone in anything, it wouldn't be the Down syndrome. It wouldn't be losing my mom. It's honestly the birth trauma that gets me feeling alone because you're constantly surrounded by your friends posting pictures of their births. And I know there's more behind those photos. Like I know a happy photo doesn't mean a happy experience. And perhaps they don't tell or share everything like I do. (laughs) Um, I know that. I know it's not always as it seems. You know, I know things go wrong and we don't hear about it or you just don't see it in pictures. But I just I just don't know why it's still so hard for me to just see those and not feel sad for my own you know birth and postpartum at the hospital. So, I am going to stop rambling. I feel like this possibly wasn't a very well structured podcast episode and I need to become a professional at this clearly because I'm podcasting now and I feel like I just rambled on and on so hopefully you got something from this I could talk your ear off on this topic but I I will spare you an ear tonight I'm hoping to have a guest in the future to engage in conversation about this and I have a few people in mind who I think would be the perfect fit So if you think that would be of interest in you, please do tell me because I want feedback on these things. But thank you guys so much for listening. I hope if you are listening, I didn't trigger anything for you. And I hope if anything, it just came as a reminder that it's okay to feel the hard things. It's okay to look back on the days that were supposed to be the most memorable and happy. It's okay to look back on them and feel hard hard, hard emotions. That doesn't mean you're broken. It doesn't mean you're wrong. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you as a mom, especially. It just means that you are real and you feel things and things happen and things don't always go according to plan. And you're a rock star at handling it and being flexible and adapting to every situation. And I truly value every single one of you, and I think that we are so strong together in sharing our stories, and we just have to 
keep staying together because really, truly, you guys have helped me get through some of my hardest times, and this was one of them. So thanks for being here, friends. Hope you have a great day.